Funny Parents. I am Mary Teresa Archibald. And I am Pat Shea. And we are thrilled to have you back here. Welcome back. Yes. And in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for dropping by uh, the iTunes uh, store, for instance, and leaving us ratings or reviews. We really appreciate it. It's been great to see. So nice. Um, and if you would like to engage more, cut on over to Facebook and check out our Funny Parents page. We're there. Make a comment. We'll be happy to comment back. Um, but tonight. Yes. And I keep saying tonight because you can tell that we're actually recording at night. Um, yes. Today we have two amazing birth stories. Mm-hmm. Birthapalooza, if you will. There you go. Birthtacular. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they're not the first birth stories that we've had. They definitely won't be the last because it is a life-changing event every single time. And it tends to go so smoothly that it doesn't create big dramatic stories. Yeah, That's exactly. what I've been told. I You're do out. not experience that whatsoever. You've got a glass of wine, a little book that you're reading it's very casual in your back you know you just chill Um, now a little bit later we're going to be hearing from our friend jessica eason uh we're going to start off though with a story from our friend karen gracci who we have known yes gracci uh since we've known we've known her boy a long time time now a long time she has toured for the second city and uh nationally internationally sit down cast in las vegas and now she's in la writing tv shows she is writing for this new uh cbs all access show the harper house which will be out next year she also wrote for the netflix show tuca and birdie Mm -hmm. uh with tiffany haddish and ali wong and she also wrote on one of our favorite shows on netflix Girl boss. Yes, uh, the whole first season she is as a the whole only season as it unfortunately didn't get renewed, but it was certainly one of our favorite shows. If you're looking to binge something, please dive in and binge it. Yes, exactly. Uh, so she is going to tell the story of the birth of her second child. Of her second child, and there may be a hot doctor. Yes. Um, so Brian and I, you know, since we're improvisers, we like to think that we handle things well on the fly. (laughs) And this will be a story that proves otherwise. Um, so my daughter was already, uh, three and was staying with our friends, um, Matt and Rebecca Craig, who, you know, um, wonderful people and what so when i went into labor with liam we were like oh okay we had a whole system set up you know we were this we were not first-time parents you know our daughter Mm -hmm. went with them and stayed overnight she thought it was like a sleepover it's great meanwhile i'm going to the hospital and going into labor great 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 um everything's taking a long time we're in communication with the doctor who's not there yet but everything seems good um but it was taking a long time. And, but I did have that, you know, fetal heart monitor on. And several, several hours later, um, a nurse comes into the room and is like, she looks at the monitor and is like, can you shift for a second? And I like, shift the way I'm sitting. Cause she's like, I think the monitor's not catching the heartbeat right. And I move and she adjusts it. And then in that moment, she pressed a button somewhere, which Brian and I still don't know where it was. I, I'm assuming nurses know these things, but it was, and we, and Brian heard the code blue announcement and it was, so they couldn't get a heartbeat 
and they didn't know what was happening. So within like, I'm not kidding you, within 10 seconds, there were 10 physicians, doctors in our room. And yeah. it was it was so scary because I didn't know, wait, what does this mean? Like all of a sudden, all these people are there. I thought we were in a good place. I'm just sitting here and my doctor's obviously not there. Like, and, uh, and they were like, we've called your doctor and a nurse looked me right in the face. And she was like, we, you are going to push this baby out right now. And I was like, what? And I had been having contractions and I, but everything was moving along. Like it was taking a long time, but it was moving along, but my doctor was not there. And it was clear that something not great was going on. Meanwhile, I look over at Brian and he is white as a ghost. <laughs> Oh. And he proceeded to have the first of four panic attacks in the next, like, I, no joke. And like, you know, we're, we're like you guys, we're improvisers. We should be able to like handle like, okay, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with it. Uh, and spoiler, everything works out fine. So no one needs to freak out as a comedy podcast, but, um, but it was very, very scary. And then, um, uh, I was there like, we're calling your doctor. The doctor can't get there in time. The doctor's, the doctor's not going to make it, essentially. And then walks in probably the best-looking resident I've ever seen. The <laughs> resident who has, like, no business being this good-looking. And he, I'm sure he said his name. I don't know. I was entranced by his eyes. But he was like... He was just looking at me and he was just like, hi, I'm going to help you have this baby today. And I'm like, okay. Like I was on board. Like meanwhile, you know, my poor husband, like bail. Um, but I, in this resident, you know, was there. And so I'm like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing the baby's coming. He's like, reach down. Look, there's your baby. Like, look, there's your baby. This is Cedar sinai hospital, by the way. So it's like, oh, you know, this is all great on the up and up. hospital. <laughs> <laughs> But even he, even this gorgeous resident, blanched when my son came up because he was like gray and he wasn't breathing. And this, oh. I didn't know he wasn't breathing. My my husband didn't know he wasn't breathing. But in a second, he was whisked away. Like they took him to the other side of the room and put him on a table. And what I couldn't see was that they were pushing on his chest. I didn't see that part. My God, thank God I didn't see that part. Because Brian, white as a ghost, was over there giving me a thumbs up. Like, it's okay. Like putting on like the best acting job of his life. Like everything's okay. And then it became a scene out of ER because I was like, what is happening? Because unlike with my daughter, he wasn't crying. There was no crying. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified. And so I was looking at this nurse and I was like, tell me what's happening. And she's like, she's like, he, he's in very good hands. Um, well, we're doing oh, everything yeah. we can. It was the non-answer answer that I guess they probably can't give you because of liability, but it's like, he's like, um, uh, we're, we're here for, we're here with you. Um, you know, and you're just like, what is happening? And, um, fortunately he started breathing and everything was okay. But in that time between, it was probably like a series of, I don't know, three minutes that felt like an absolute lifetime. Because what I didn't know was that the people who were surrounding him were pediatric um, physicians who had been called in and all this was happening so fast. And I, 
we just couldn't believe it, right? And Brian over there, panic attack number two. And then they they take him, they take Liam um, to, they get him breathing and they take, he and Brian go to like check his oxygen levels. And which is, I guess, in a different room. He didn't have to go to the NICU, but they did take him somewhere else. And I guess they put like a pad on, like this little pad that's on this, um, this is the very scientific way of explaining it. Like they're basically checking his oxygen levels. (laughs) And they hook it up to little Liam and they're like, we're just going to put this here and the number will shoot through the roof. And Brian's like, okay. And they do it. And the number does not shoot through the roof. And my uh-huh. husband proceeds to have a third panic attack. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, we're, we're, oh, whoops, we're using a pad on this that has been used before. And they replaced it and it was like, ding, he was fine. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. of course, thankfully, Brian did not tell me any of, any of this because at this point, I'm being comforted by a very good looking resident. Um, okay. <laughs> um, and push the placenta out. And then they bring, finally, you know, after some time, I do get to see Liam and they do wrap him up and they do bring him and they put him on my chest. And But it was, it was, you know, significantly later than when my daughter was there. It was hours later. And um, they bring him over and they put him on my chest. And, I was like, this is, um, this is like, what happened? You know, this is crazy. What, what has happened? And Brian is like, poor, frail, wonderful, loving, my amazing husband, Brian. I don't know how he dealt with all this, but the, the doctors recommended to him that, that he take himself down to the ER and check himself. In. <laughs> and we were like, and he was like, no, no, I've got it. I've got it. But like, this is when we knew for the first time that my husband can get panic attacks was like there. In the emergency room. And then, so, so fine. So the one thing I forgot that I didn't leave, that I didn't mention was before all this happened, uh, and like before I finally had Liam and all that, my doctor had strolled in <laughs> and had been like, there was an accident at the 10 and she lives five minutes away from school. Could not get there, uh, of course, because it all happened so fast. But they were like, um, she was like, and I was like, what, what happened? Like, what, what happened? And Liam was early. Liam was three weeks early. But she's like, well, sometimes this happens. Technically, he's still a preemie. He was like one day into still being a preemie. And she's like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. this just happens. They come out and they're not breathing. And I was, but the way she talked about it was like, well, you know, you park on the wrong side of the street and they're, you know, <laughs> you get a ticket. I mean, it's a Thursday. This kind of stuff happens. You get a ticket. You probably won't happen again. You know, it's like, it was so casual and nonchalant. And meanwhile, it was like a scene out of one of those procedurals, you know, and mm-hmm. now we can look back and find the humor in those little moments. Um, especially my, my husband always reminds me that when like the next day, when the resident came to check on me to see how I was, that I really perked up. He keeps telling me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I was like, well, he was he was very good looking. He's like, you keep mentioning that, uh, but uh, <laughs> but everything's fine, and Liam has been fine. But we, we worded over him. I mean, he's only six now, but we were like, want to hear that story about that time where you almost scared your father to death, and uh, and you were grieving, and he's like, no, I don't want to hear that story again. So it's only going to get worse for him. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely.
what's amazing to me, or one of many things about that story that's amazing to me, is that this is our second story that has a very attractive doctor in it. And uh, a mom's reaction to that can go in a lot of different ways. Clearly. Clearly. Um, And I will say that I have nothing to pull from on that. I did not have a hot doctor. And though I got to give Brian credit, uh, Karen's husband, Brian, who in the middle of having a panic attack turns around and gives her a thumbs up. I mean, that is rock solid right there. Yeah. Rock solid. I was, I was telling Karen, I, we really want to have Brian on to tell (laughs) this story through his eyes at some point. And maybe that'll happen. Uh, I hope so. uh, Because, uh, yeah, there's a lot you got to be concerned about. You got to be concerned about the baby. You have to be concerned about the mom. And that's going to come up in our next story with uh, Jessica Elena Eason, who is going to tell us about giving birth to her second child and a little bit of the journey of getting to having that second child, which I think probably a lot of us can relate to, uh, that it wasn't smooth sailing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, getting pregnant uh, but you might know Jessica she is a mom an actress a writer a director and a, a kick butt activist and yeah. she most recently wrote on the show The Big Show Show which is on Netflix right now yeah uh, about the WWE wrestler The Big Show and his family and this is very exciting or it was very exciting for Mary it was, it was. because she knows these books she will be playing Dawn's mom Sharon on The Babysitter's Club also coming to Netflix yes I mean come on it was the ba- Pat has no recollection of the I, I have loved... vague memories of friends in school carrying around Babysitter's Club books all That's right. my memory. But Jess is a proud mom to two boys, boy moms. Woohoo! And uh, here is her fantastic story of giving birth to her second child. And spoiler alert, there is a cameo appearance. Yes. You want the dad's perspective? You get it in the middle You'll of get this it one. a little bit. about the, <laughs> the birth of my second child. Um, and I'm going to do just a quick backstory on it because I think it plays into the birth of his birth story, um, which is mm-hmm. with my first son, um, uh, I, you know, I lived in New York for a long time. My husband and I did. And then we moved to LA and my, my OBGYN, or I guess much of my gynecologist in New York kind of was like, I don't want to send you with birth control if you want to get pregnant because mm. you got to start now. And now as an older lady, I'm like, she's right. Like, I like that she was just so like, <laughs> you know, when you were 35, you're a geriatric pregnancy. And so I think mm. women are sold a bill of goods. Like, we're like, we can get pregnant anytime. And it's not true. So she was kind of trying to be like, you mm. know, I think a realist, but I wouldn't hear of it. So I did I stayed on birth control my first year in LA because I was going to make it a star and then I didn't. So I was like, oh, I should get pregnant because that's what happens when you don't make a star. So <laughs> I was like, let's get pregnant really quick and I can have this baby and then get back and be ready for pilot season back in shape. Little did I know what having a baby was like. Clearly. And so January, February, I'm off birth control. Nothing's happening. And a good friend of mine is like, uh, you only get pregnant three days out of the month. And I did not know that, which is scandalous that in this day and age, women are not taught anything about their reproductive 
system, I knew, literally knew nothing. Um, and I peed on an ovulation stick. And in March, I was pregnant. So in my mind, that meant that I was super <laughs> fertile, just your regular fertile myrtle, going to be pregnant all the time. So wow. after the birth of my first son, you know, and, and again, after the birth of my first son, I, you know, funny enough, didn't lose all the weight in, I don't know, four weeks and didn't feel like bouncing <laughs> back to pounding the pavement at all. At all. Um, in fact, I was thinking my friend had a baby and she's doing great. And in my head, I was like, oh, the for me, the first six weeks are always okay. And then by the eighth week, I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, mm. and then I have to get to those four weeks to 12 weeks when I can start sleep training my children and then I'm fine again. But it's like those, that month is rough. Mm. And after yeah. both my boys, I actually didn't gain much weight with either until I had them. And then I put all my weight on. So, you know, it was basically, it wasn't ready for <laughs> and nobody was checking for me anyway. So it didn't matter. So cut to two years later and I think I'm so fertile and nothing's happening. So my lovely OB, who's not a specialist, just told me to drink wine and have sex with my husband every other day during my ovulation. My husband's clapping. Um, and <laughs> um, it didn't work. Um, so we went to see a specialist. And I highly recommend any listener here who's having any problems, see a specialist sooner than later because it's a day and night when you see a specialist. My, my OB was like, you're fertile. And just like I said, relax. And then the specialist immediately starts asking you all these questions, which I didn't know half the answers to, which was also kind of embarrassing. And then one of them we saw immediately was like, well, let's see how many eggs you have before we even say what we can do. Like they are just on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's their business, yeah. right? So I had tons of eggs. My husband's sperm was great, which he's very proud of. He's clapping again. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what the problem was, which was also kind of hard not to have a, you know, what's the problem? I almost wanted to have a problem so they could fix it for mm -hmm. me. But they they were like, we don't know why. So they retrieved my eggs. And if you ever had IVF, um, you know, that's tons of giving yourself shots and something I didn't think I could do. My husband actually did them for me in the beginning. And then one night he was working mm -hmm. and I had to do it myself. And then after that, I always did it myself because I just kind of got over the fear of it. And so then I was just running around town with syringes and at any moment, just like, stab, stab, stab. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how you just lose all <laughs> fear of it. And so, you know, and one night I went with my friend to see a RuPaul drag race show, like all the finalists were in it. And it, like, I, for some reason, my shot that mm -hmm. night was at 11 p.m. That was the time I always gave it to myself. So I'd leave the show with my syringe. I'm in this gross bathroom, just giving myself a shot in the butt and then going back to the concert. I was like, <laughs> you know, come, you know. Um, all I can say, what I learned, I didn't know, because who knows about IVF unless you do it, I guess, was. Mm -hmm. Like they retrieve all these eggs and I had tons of eggs and they uh, like, I had like 16 eggs the first time. And then I think 12 oh, of them to like wow. the blast, which is like what you're trying to get to like a five or six day. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, 12 embryos. I'm mean, so many choices. And because I was over 35, <laughs> they want to test them. And we were like, yeah, test them. So they can kind of, which is crazy. They can test the embryo, right? They know exactly. Mm -hmm. what sex is. It's insane. Um, so they test them and only one came back viable the first time. So they put that one in. It was a girl. I was all excited about it because we had a boy. And then you have to wait two weeks after they, they put the embryo back inside. And I will say when they were, the doctor was um, 
there's a they don't call it putting putting it back inside you there's a scientific thing for that. <laughs> putting the embryo back inside what the implant thank you my husband's there thank you the implant the implant uh-huh. <laughs> um my doctor this is not and, and even in a little drugged out state i was like that's not a good sign he was like which anyways i had a female doctor the second time same practice loved her um he, he mm. said to me he was just like so sometimes when we test the embryos it can affect them and i was like why are you telling me that as you're literally oh. putting and I think it's because they saw that it wasn't growing at the pace they wanted to grow at. I only say that because mm. it did not take, I did not, we, we lost that one, which is also a weird loss. It is a loss, but it's, it's because you yeah. know too much about the embryo. Because if this was like a natural right. miscarriage, I probably wouldn't even know I miscarried. It was so early. You know what I'm saying? Like I would have been like, it's such a weird experience. Uh, but we were very upset, obviously very sad. And so we went back and they were like, we don't know what's wrong but you're such a good candidate. You can try again. So we did get even more eggs again. And then this time I think we had three, one was viable. One came back. It just, just didn't test. They were like, we don't know inconclusive. And the third one was like a 50, 50. And I remember telling the doctor, mm. put in the 50, 50 and the viable one. Cause I just, I can't go through this again. And my female doctor who I loved uh, just said to me, do you want two kids? Do you want to have three kids altogether? And I said, no. And she's like, well, we're not putting two in. Cause you don't want to make that decision mm. later on, you know, mm. and he was right. And so it was a boy and they put it in. And, and this is why I say that. Cause the second time going for the implantation, the embryologist came out with now my son Desmond, which is so crazy. We have pictures of him as an embryo. <laughs> which is wow. And we could show him eventually like we, like a blast. We have a blast. It's anyway, she brought him out and she was like, Oh my <laughs> goodness, he's just multiplying. Um, which is still true to this day. He is bigger than life. Um, <laughs> life he is constantly multiplying. But it was such a difference. Like they were so excited about it. So I was like, oh, all right. Because, you know, it's all, it's not an, an exact science because they were telling us later on that even embryos that say maybe don't test great, if they put them in, implant them back inside the mother, sometimes they fix themselves in the body. Sometimes they just become a miscarriage. Um, and that's just a miscarriage. Again, it's so early that it's not like it's a, you know, 12 weeks. I mean, it can be that for certain people, but at the stage I was at, it would have sure. been like a two week situation, um, which would have been like, oh, your period didn't come a couple days late. It wouldn't have been as um, emotionally draining in that way. It, it is because you know too much about the baby at that point. All of to say, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he was multiplying and multiplying. And so they put him in, they had a great they had great hope and I had great hope and, but you never know. And anyways, it came back and my numbers had doubled and I was like, Oh, I can't believe it. We are so excited. And it's another boy. Mm-hmm. and It's going to be great. And, um, you know, the first couple months, uh, it's very hard. It was very different than my first pregnancy. Cause I, like every day I was like, Oh God, am I going to lose the baby? It was, I was in so much more fear about it. Um, uh-huh. it was a constant fear of like, every time I would be in the bathroom, I was like, Oh, is there any blood, any blood. And then at 12 weeks, the day before I went to see my OB, because I finally graduated out of the RE to the OB, there was all this blood. And I remember like, oh, my God. And we called the RE, who's not from, far from us. And I was like, I have to come in. And the good thing about REs is they're open Saturday and Sunday. So we went over on Sunday. And <laughs> did like a, a, a vaginal uh, like scan. And she was like, he's fine. Uh, this is just implantation blood. But like it was so scary. So just so the fact that I was like, oh, wow. 
And so then when I got to the doctor, she's like, well, let's just get you to 16 weeks. And I get to 16 weeks. I'm like, let's just get you to 20 weeks. Like it never ended. It was kept being like, let's just get you to 24 weeks. Where I feel like with my first son, once I was past like 16 weeks, they're like, you're great. And this one just kept it, get to it, get to it. You know, it was like exhausting. So the first trimester was very scary. Second trimester was actually good. Third trimester became a shit show again because I went to see a specialist and and they were basically like, I think she called my, what did she call my uterus? I think she called my uterus, an old sponge. Um, <gasps> basically have an old sponge. My placenta, my placenta was an old sponge. And she goes, and it's working so hard. And that's why the baby isn't growing at the rate you want it to, but we're not worried because his brain is growing. We don't really care. This I learned that we don't care about his belly or his, his stomach or his legs or arms. As long as his brain is growing, we're going to keep him inside. And I was like, okay. Um, but that means I had to start going, first of all, once a week for them to like check my blood pressure because my blood pressure started going up because my old sponge of a placenta was working so hard <laughs> to get him, you know, his food and his nutrients. And then I had to start doing, um, uh, I had to buy a blood pressure, you know, cuff and start doing my blood pressure daily. And then they moved my blood pressure levels. I don't know what to what, but like something crazy where they would never be normal. But for me, that's fine. They had to go over like a crazy amount for me to have to go in to see them. And I'm, I'm at about 30, I'm almost, I'm like 33 and a half weeks. And now I have to go to the specialist twice a week to be checked. And I go in and my husband drops me off with my, and he takes my older son somewhere and I'm just there. They take my blood pressure and the nurse goes, you need to lay down. I was like, okay. And they did it again. And she goes, lay on your other side. And they did it again. And then she's like, you'll have to go to Cedars, our hospital. She goes, you have to go and um, you'll probably get checked out. This is going to happen to you because your blood pressure will go in and out, in and out until you get to, they wanted to get me to, I think, 36 weeks at, at least. And, uh, oh, wow. I should say my first yeah. son was born at 36 and a half weeks. So he was almost, he'd been to 37, they would have been fine. And he stayed in the NICU for mm-hmm. about 10 days only because he wouldn't eat. He was all cooked. Like his heart was great. He was all perfect. He just wouldn't eat. And so that's, you know, another whole thing. I only say that because now I'm at almost 33 and a half weeks and I'm at the doctor and she makes me roll over and she's like, you have to go to Cedars. You have to go to the hospital. And I was like, all right. But, and they were kind of like, you'll be checked out in a couple hours. I was supposed to teach improv that night. I was like, no problem. I haven't dropped me off the hospital. Come get me in an hour. I go in the nurse hooks me up to the, you know, whatever blood pressure. She's like, yeah, it's really high. Oh, you know what? One of the doctors from your, um, my, cause I was in a specialist practice for, because my high blood pressure, she goes, Oh, one of them is here. Let's like, I'm going to show him your sign, your charts, whatever. And I go, great. She comes back in literally two minutes later and she's like, okay, he just told me you're not leaving without a baby. And I was like, <gasps> I'm sorry, what? She's, I'm like, I'm not even 34 weeks yet. She's like, yeah, he said, you're not leaving. And it was just like, from then it was like a, a, a marathon to insanity after that. Um, I called my husband and I said, they said, I was very upset crying because I, I didn't have a bag pack. We weren't ready. I, it's 33 and a half weeks. And so, um, yeah, but you have to come talk over here so you can hear me. My husband wants to interject on my podcast. When she told me she was so upset that she phrased it in a way that she left out just a word or two. Yeah. And I thought she was saying we were not having the baby. Yeah. I misheard it. Ooh. 
10 seconds that we're not having, you're not leaving with a baby. Yeah. And I was like, what, what? Like, mm. and, and so I had to like really take a deep breath and like hold my composure and ask her again, <laughs> say that again. Yeah. And then she said, <laughs> like, you were not leaving here without a baby. And I was like, without a baby. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I was saying, I mean, that's like the whole I think, experience. That's how it started. It was like that kind of scary, right? Like, yeah. And so I'm at 33 and a half weeks and the baby, they're like, he'll probably be like five pounds maybe, or, you know, don't worry about it. He's, he, we just have to get him to 34 weeks. So they, I immediately was put into uh, like special labor, like not even regular labor delivery. I was like, because I was so high risk, had this room. They put me, I really kept saying, I don't want to, um, what is it called when you can't go to the bathroom? Uh, oh, the, uh, no, when you can't pee, they give you a, a catheter. I kept saying, I don't want a catheter. And the, the woman was like, you need one. You need one. They gave it to me. And like that just started after that. Then they put me on this, drug called magnesium which is the worst thing i've ever been on and literally knocked me out um and because they didn't tell me this but i told my husband this that apparently uh when they tested me when i got there my blood pressure was so high and then i tested immediately positive for preeclampsia so they were like we don't want her to stroke out (laughs) so they put me on this magnesium yeah and i just laid there like a vegetable was horrible just in and out they took me off like like an hour to my I, i was like i can eat and i ate some of the food and then immediately threw it all up. And the nurses were lovely. They were like, oh, we feel bad for you. But they had to give me right to 34 weeks. They gave me two huge shots of steroids to get the baby's lungs working. And they're like, every single day is such a big growth for the baby inside you that we want to keep him in. But we are, you know, basically we don't want to keep him past 34 weeks because I could have a stroke and who knows what, right, die. And so they didn't tell me that, but that was what was – happening and so i get to 34 weeks it is november 12th um and it's the busiest day at cedars they've had so they're like we're gonna have to wait 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 and wait and it induce me of course because i'm only 34 weeks at this point and they're like you're gonna have a vaginal birth don't worry you had a great vaginal birth the first time and i did and so i was like yeah i'm feeling better they took me off the magnesium near the end of the day when they finally can move me to uh labor delivery because they were like we have to watch you because you're high risk, even though it's going to be fine. But I was actually happy. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm glad you waited so I could have, you know, someone watching me. Even though I, I was like, it's going to be great. Um, I, I can, you know, have this vaginal birth that I want. And I picked out this playlist. You know, we were all ready for it. And they put me on. They took me off. I ended up having to have like a oxygen mask. And they're like, the baby, you're, you're – I uh, – what's it called? I dilated. They put a balloon. They put a balloon inside you to like help you dilate. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. It popped out like you're already at one centimeter. It's all we can do. It's going great. So I kind of slept in and out through the night. And then, then I think it was the next morning, like six in the morning or something, I turned to James. was kind of up and I said, and the nurse came in to check on me, who I loved. I think her name was Beverly. I loved her. And I said, oh, my goodness, it feels like I'm peeing. I think I'm peeing. And she goes, you can't be peeing. You have a catheter. And she moved. I couldn't see because I was laying <laughs> down. And she moved the blanket. And then she put it kind of back down. And James later on was like, oh, my God. And she said, oh, it's just a little bloody show. And I was like, okay, great, which is what happens. We have a baby, get a little bloody show before everything starts going. And then within, mm-hmm. I kid you not, five seconds, there were five nurses in the room. Uh, the head midwife was in the room. 
They were running back and forth from my bed to us. They brought a scale in. They were weighing, which I later found out, my blood. I was bleeding. That pee was me bleeding to the point where James, like, they pulled back the sheet and it was like someone had stabbed me. It was, right, so much blood pouring out. And it felt like just a long pee. It's the weirdest feeling. And all of a sudden, all the doctors ran in. I mean, within under 30 seconds, the room was packed with people. They were all kind of talking, talking, talking. And I just remember going, are we having a C-section? Are we doing this? Like, let's just go, let's go, let's go. And they finally said, yes, they whipped me to the OR. Uh, James, obviously my husband couldn't come. Uh, I passed out from blood loss on the way to the OR. Um, I woke up to the sheet was already up. I had two anesthesiologists behind me and they're like, she's back, she's back. And I was like, what? You're like, you know, you passed out. I said, no. And they go, you've lost a ton of blood. We are giving you a transfusion. Um, and they're like, can, and we got to get the baby out now. And I just was like shaking. I was so scared and I had no one to be with me. So I remember just grabbing the anesthesiologist, one of the women's hands. And I said, you have to hold my hand. And I could just see her like, no, that's not what I do. And I was like, (laughs) you have to because I'm alone and I'm afraid. And then they started pressing on me and saying, can you feel this? Cause they want to get the baby out with an emergency C-section. But I didn't, I, I, no one had talked about this with me. So I didn't know. I could feel pressure, but not pain. And they're like, well, is it just pressure? Mm-hmm. And eventually they're like, just go, go, go. So they gave me a C-section. And I just remember there was another nurse that came by me. He was holding my hand on the other side. And I looked at her and I just said, is the baby going to be okay? And she, this was the worst. She just looked at me and kind of smiled, that tight smile, because she couldn't mm-hmm. tell me. And it was awful. And then, so they cut it. They obviously cut me open and pulled him out. And he cried immediately. I heard him like immediately, which is not normal for a lot of C-section babies. Um, right. And then the head nurse, the charge nurse came running over, took my hand and was like, he's okay. He's okay. And I just remember going, <sighs> and I just kind of like relaxed. And then finally let James in the room and they let him see him. And James took secret footage he wasn't supposed to take. Um, which is great because I didn't <laughs> see him. He was so tiny. He was three and a half pounds. He was so tiny. And they brought him right up to the, uh, you know, the NICU. And uh, I, I mean, they, I don't think I even saw him right after he was born. I didn't see mm-hmm. him. Um, my doctor showed up because they had to go emergency C-section. She showed up to like sew me back up. And she was on top of me. And I just remember at one point, she just looked at me and she goes, Jessica, we are never doing this again. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, we're done. He's like, you're not doing this ever again. And I was like, no, no. And then I had a glorious hour of being with my husband in the recovery room where I wasn't on the magnesium. And then put me back on the magnesium. And, like, the next day I was so depressed. And coming out of a C-section, I was in a beautiful – all the nurses were awesome the first night. And then they moved me into regular labor delivery. And it was awful. And no one told me anything of, like, how my body would react to – all the drugs. I was shaking. No, I had no idea that was going to happen. And I just remember finally my doctor came and saw me and I was like, I think I'm having postpartum. I, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, Jessica, you were close to death. You need to talk to someone about it later. later. And I was like, I was. She goes, yes. She goes, of course you're shaking. Oh. Of course it's horrible. You almost died. And then to this day when I go see my OB, years later, my son is wonderful. I'm wonderful. It's, he's three and a half. She still tells me the uh, the um, midwife. the midwife at Cedars at Cedars, who's a huge hospital in LA, who sees so many births, still talks to my doctor and says, "How's that woman doing?" 
because I was the worst oh, bleep wow. she's ever seen in her 15 years of working at Cedars. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. So it's crazy. So it's like I have waves. So it's like, and I also couldn't talk about my birth story for like the, the beginning at all. And my doctor was like, that's common because people were like, how's the baby? Like, what's the birth story? And I was like, I can't talk about it because I would just start crying wow. and shaking. And now it's like I'm, I, I was choked up today, but like, not like, it's like, I, I just flash back to that every now and then. I'm like, oh my God, like so close to, it's hor- it's so scary. And I am so grateful to all the nurses and the doctors and they're speedy, they're just on top of it. And also the NICU, again, I had another, both my kids were in the NICU and they are just the, those w- women and men in the NICU deserve, I mean, everything. They, they're just the best. And the kids, if your kids are ever in the NICU, they're in the best hands ever. And um, anyways, I know I went over the time limit. I'm sorry. And that is the birthday of my second child. No, that We're all is that, oh my oh wow. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is horrific. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, yeah. I, oh my And poor God, James like, had to say like wrong. Yeah, everything could go wrong could go wrong. And, I, and poor James, like he for me, like obviously I'm being rushed down. He was like, I was outside the OR. They wouldn't let him in. And he goes, I just saw all these nurses and doctors running down the hallway. He goes, it was like out of a movie. And they were like, you got to stay out here. <laughs> he, horrible for him. He, and he, he said at one point, he's not here. He left. He goes, I, he just looked up and went, no. Like he screamed like, this can't be happening. It was like horrifying. Yeah. Very scary. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And so Desmond was in the NICU for 10 days. No, Rollins, 10 days. Desmond, only 12 days, even though, you know, three and a half pounds. They sent him home at four pounds, which I thought was crazy. We thought, they will get him to five pounds. But honestly, he he eats like a crazy person. Like he, um, (laughs) like by January or even maybe December, he had fat cheeks in December. Like he just was like boom, 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 immediately. Like he was out of preemie everything, I think within six months. Whereas Rollins took him the whole year. And he was... Over he was like six, six pounds when he was born wrong, and like wow. because Desmond was such a low birth weight, we ended up going to see specialists. Like they set all the stuff up for you, and like they watched them the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then for me too, like I had to go back and like they had to keep checking on me and like making my thyroid was okay and like I wasn't having bleeding and like yeah, it's nuts. And so every now and then when I go back to see my OB, I just saw her recently. She's always like, "Oh man," she's like, "Oh." <laughs> I mean, it lives in her brain too. Like I flew over the hill. She goes, they called me in the middle, like at 6am. They're like, you need to get here now. And she's like, I just blew every light. And she goes, I still missed it. Cause they had to, you had to go, they had to do it immediately. Cause I was just like, Yeah. yeah, they had to get him out. Sometimes that's that's it. That's the plan. That's the sum total of the plan. I mean, I've made two, two birth plans. Neither one of them worked out anywhere remotely compared <laughs> to what I thought it was going to be. Um, but the ultimate gift bags that I got to come home with were my two sons. Yeah. Um, and no, they didn't come out the way we planned. But they came out and they're happy and healthy and making a lot of noise in the next room. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, and I we hope you enjoyed these sh- stories. Certainly, if you have a moment, uh, drop a rating or review or subscribe. Um, oh, and if you have had a 
normal as expected birth we want to hear about it drop by our facebook page facebook.com funnyparents we'd love to hear about a completely chill birthing story yes please please tell me that it worked out perfectly normal and easy for you um because someday i will tell the stories of our two children um and they resemble a lot of what you heard tonight um so please come on that's, over to the f- that's the shocking thing for me yes. is that you you hear these stories and you think you you think you're alone and uh and you're not alone and i think Stuff that's happens. what we've really learned is that as parents we have so much in common uh so head over to facebook funny parents and Tell me, no, 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 Mary, it's okay. Some people don't nearly die giving giving birth to their children. Uh, I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. Um, Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bye.